0: It had been a while since I've chatted with Callis Robinette, who covers Kansas State for the Star and Wichita Eagles, so we caught up on the latest happenings in the land of the Wildcats. This is Sportsbeat KC, the Star's daily sports podcast. It's Wednesday, May 12th, and I'm Blair Kirkhoff. The football roster seems set. Maybe the Cats are on the lookout for a couple of defensive additions through the transfer portal. But... Otherwise, Chris Kleiman has the team he'll take into the 2021 season. We discuss how it stacks up in the Big 12 and give a first look at the league race. After a break, we switch sports and talk hoops. Last season was dismal for Kansas State until the end. The Cats played eventual national champion Baylor as well as any team in the NCAA tournament. And there's reason for optimism for Coach Bruce Weber's bunch next season. Let's get started talking Kansas State with Kellis Robinette. Kellis, when was the last time we got together and talked Kansas State sports? It's been a while.
1: Uh, it's been too long. I know that.
0: Yeah, I, I know that we, we caught up right after the basketball season. Um, and, and you know what? You think about, you go back and, and think about the way K-State lost their final game competitively to Baylor. Baylor turned out to be a good team at the end. <laughs> yeah, big surprise,
1: right? <laughs> they were okay in the NCAA tournament. Who'd have thunk it?
0: it was, and Kansas State played great. We're, we'll get to K-State basketball in, in a little while. But I wanted to start with um, with some football, Kellis. And okay. uh, it's always – it's really never not football season. And it's never not roster-building time for, for college football. But uh, w- with Kansas State, w- while I read about all these – all the other programs that are shopping in the transfer portal. Um, Kansas state has uh, not been terribly active there, but, but they're, but they're looking, aren't they?
1: They are. They did most of their damage, you know, early on. Um, so they could get as many other transfers in as they could for spring ball. The only guy they added late was uh Cade Warner famously, Kurt Warner's son from Nebraska former walk-on wide receiver there. So we'll see what he can bring to uh, Kansas State. But, hey, if you can add the son of a former NFL MVP, you know, I don't care what he used to be. I think that's uh, at least worth the dice roll there and it should be fun to watch. But otherwise, yeah, um, since uh, yeah, since since they added him, it's been real quiet, um, which is kind of interesting because Chris Kleiman and uh, pretty much and both his coordinators made it pretty clear that if they could add... More talent, especially more veteran talent through the transfer portal before summer got here. They were going to do it, and they still got some holes um, in the secondary. They could really use an extra safety. They could really use somebody to slide in there and play nickelback, and they could really even use a linebacker um, if they could find one. But they haven't added any of them yet. They're looking at some guys. Nobody's uh, hopped on board yet, and it'll be interesting if they uh, if they can add one or two more veteran defenders here that could really help them out depth wise next season. But if not, um, then they're going to really be crossing their fingers that injuries don't happen at the wrong positions.
0: Right. I agree. I agree with you on, on Cade Warner. He didn't, didn't have big numbers at Nebraska, but I don't know if he was used the way that he should have been used, but he, he, you know, came there as a walk on, ended up getting a scholarship and yeah, uh, at least if nothing else, Kellis, that's a good feature story to do in the fall.
1: <laughs> that's right. And, I mean, it's not like that type of player has lacked for success at Kansas State in the past, right? A hardworking kid from a good family who knows football and has a good IQ. I mean, maybe, you know, best case scenario, he turns out to be another Dalton Schoen who has a really good rapport with Skylar Thompson. They can hook up on every money down, move the chains when they have to, um, and can maybe be a valuable slot receiver. But, you know, even if he's not that – they, they uh, You can always use an extra body out there, somebody who knows what he's doing. So I, I like the ad for sure.
0: Otherwise, how is the? Uh, you know, if if we're looking at a, a roster that's relatively set, uh, with with maybe only a couple of missing pieces, what, what what's the anticipation? I'm starting to read some some Big Twelve preview stuff, and, and I think you know, Oklahoma is clearly the, the, the big 12 favorite. Once again, it'll, it'll be news when Oklahoma isn't the favorite <laughs> right. in the big 12 and usual suspects near the top, Texas, I see Oklahoma state. What, how are, what's the, what's the, the post spring practice feeling about Kansas state?
1: Um, it really depends on who you ask. Um, you could, You can go out and find some fans who think they'll uh, be right there with Oklahoma, Iowa State for the Big 12 championship. Find other people who think they'll be right back where they were last season, um, not even bowl eligible. And there is, uh, you know, it is interesting. I don't know if I've ever walked into a season with a team that has, you know, really no, no set floor, no set ceiling. I mean, I, I, could, I could see him going anywhere from five to nine, nine wins, just depending on how things shake out, because there are a bunch of unknowns with Skyler Thompson back. How much is he going to elevate the offense? You saw last year, especially during the last half of the season, they really fell off, couldn't pass the ball at all. You can either blame that on the receivers. You can blame it on Will Howard being a true freshman quarterback who wasn't ready. Um, and does that change with Skylar Thompson back in there? I mean, nothing, we've seen it over the years, nothing beats veteran quarterback, quarterback play, and there's not going to be many people who've started more games than Skyler Thompson anywhere. So with him coming back, you would think that that could uh, certainly boost the offense. And if if that happens, then yeah, they'll probably be back in a bowl game. Um, If not, you know, the defense is going to have to play uh, quite a bit better than we saw late last season. Um, and they have added some talents. I mean, it's, it's, it is it's is interesting how much they've added through the transfer portal. I think some of their very best players are Julius Prince, a defensive back they got from Iowa. Um, Timmy Horn, a defensive tackle they got from Charlotte. Uh, their tight end, Daniel Imatorbebe, I think he could be as good as Bradley Moore was. And uh, you know, but but it really just depends. Can those guys stay healthy? Can they make the transition really fast? If they can, then you know, then you're probably looking at a pretty good season. If they struggle and they have to go through growing pains, and you're maybe looking at some other losses. But just uh, it it really is interesting because I, I I mean, uh, Chris Kleinman's time at Kansas State really turned on a dime last year, didn't it? I mean, he went from four and one, beating Oklahoma, being on top of the Big 12 standings, to then losing five straight games down the stretch and having all these transfers and nobody knowing what in the world to think of it. So I guess we'll find out were those uh, COVID season problems that aren't going to linger, or are they signs of more, more, you know, problems on the horizon? I don't know, but they do have some talent coming back. Um, and yeah, that, that, that at least gives them some hope that they can bounce back quickly if things fall into place.
0: That's a good point about, um, about wondering if, you know, how, how COVID and the pandemic affected the, the program You know, in in the Big 12, the majority of of teams have their quarterback returning, starting with Spencer Rattler at um, at OU, and then staying in the state, another Spencer. Spencer Saunders at Oklahoma State is back. Max Dugan at TCU. Brock Purdy, of course, at Iowa State. I I think it'll be interesting to see between Purdy and Rattler, who's the preseason uh, choice for all-conference quarterback. Um, Jared Dagey up in West Virginia, um, Alan Bowman at, uh, at, at uh, Texas Tech. So majority have their quarterbacks back. And I, with, with Skylar Thompson, I, I think that puts, that puts Kansas State in that category, right? The, the programs that have the returning starting quarterback, and you always give them a little bit benefit of the doubt, <clears throat> excuse me, going into a season, Texas does not have it's You know, Sam Ellinger certainly is, is done. Charlie Brewer at Baylor has transferred. I think he landed at Utah and of course, Kansas, you just kind of revolve it. You never know with Kansas. <laughs> right. quarterback. They're, they're hoping this Jason Bean, the, the transfer from North Texas is, is an answer for them. So yeah, it's, it's quite an advantage, <clears throat> excuse me, to have starting quarterback returning as, as Kansas state does. Um, you know, I was looking at the Big Twelve schedules, and the the I think the league is going to end up looking really good once conference play begins. Some really smart scheduling. The the sort of the, the high profile big name opponents for each of the Big Twelve schools is uh, are programs that Big Twelve programs should beat. And by that I mean Oklahoma's big non conference opponent this year is Nebraska um for texas it's arkansas for kansas state it is stanford and look that's i look at that as almost a toss-up game mm-hmm. right now west virginia plays maryland and virginia tech oklahoma state's got an interesting game at boise state anyway i just think that the way the season set sets up in september they're gonna make, maybe a lot of big 12 schools with good records heading into into conference play. Um, I noticed somebody asked you a question in your Q and A, and I thought this was interesting. If you had to just pick one game, one you know, one K State game to get to this year, which one would it be? And uh, and, and you suggested the the Stanford game. It uh, you know it depends on what you're looking for, obviously, but the Stanford game at, at Arlington that that's going to be a table setter for the Wildcats. Good good chance to make a, a first impression.
1: Yeah, definitely. Um, and one thing I, I've written a story. I wrote a story about this a few years ago, but it is interesting the few times that Kansas State has gone out and really challenged themselves in their opening game. It hasn't been often that wasn't really Bill Snyder's cup of tea to go schedule a a Power 5 team right off the bat. But when they have done it um, and won that game, they've gone on to have really good seasons. When they beat Iowa and Arrowhead, when they beat Cal and Arrowhead, those were some of their better seasons. Um, Beating USC obviously didn't hurt them when they played them back in the day. I remember uh, the, the first season during Bill Snyder's second tenure here at Kansas State, um, the first time they went to a bowl, they opened up at UCLA here and beat them with Daniel Thomas running wild over the Bruins, and that was really the table setter that, hey, you know, Kansas State's back. They're going to be in a bowl this season. Um, and yeah, I think it could be the same thing this year. If, if they win that game, then that really announces to everybody, you know what? What happened down the stretch last year was just uh, a fluke, you know, with, with guys in and out of COVID, all kinds of weird circumstances, but now a Skyler back. Um, Kansas State's ready to ready to contend again in the Big 12 for a top half finish, something like that. And beyond that, I think it's just a fun game because, um, I mean, how often do you get to see Kansas State play in a pro stadium? Not very often. And especially after the last year we went through where, um, you know, you were, we're relegated to a quarter of attendance everywhere there's a pretty good opportunity. That's going to be a full attendance. Texas is a little bit more uh, lax than some other places right now on, uh, you know, mass mandates and and rules and such. So I I would think uh, that that's a game where if you want to just go in, have a good time, watch a game without a mask on and be around your buddies, that's, that's your, probably your best opportunity to do so. I mean, maybe it'll be that way across the country. We saw sporting Kansas city is going to start having full attendance here later in May. I don't know if it'll be that way everywhere. Riley County's kind of been back and forth on it. Um, they still aren't allowing more than 50% anywhere here. So you never know um, what what attendance is going to be like up here. But I bet down there, especially with a big, you know, with a, I don't know how big their stadium is, but it's big, 80,000 or so. If you want to get in and watch a game under normal circumstances after what we've been through, that's, that's the game to kick it back off and have some fun.
0: Yeah, Chiefs are um, saying that they're, they're expecting full houses for um, uh, for their games, and of course, the NFL schedule is being announced today. Um, I, we've talked about it before, I know we have, but I've always, I always, whenever it comes up, I have to share my memories of the two games that you mentioned earlier. The the Iowa game that opened, I think it was the was it the, 01, the 2000 season. Um, I think that was Kirk Ferentz's second year, maybe first or second year at at Iowa. And it was 2000, 2000 and uh, Arrowhead stadium was the hottest place on planet earth (laughs) that day. Uh, It was unbelievably hot um, over a hundred degrees. Then of course the Cal game a couple years later, that was the college, the major college debut of one, Aaron Rodgers.
1: That's right.
0: Came off the bench and threw a couple, I remember Kansas state was, was blowing out Cal and all they bring this quarterback in that I had heard of. And he's, he throws a couple of touchdown passes. And I'm like, wow, who's this guy? Pretty impressive stuff. So, um, so the other development that, that has uh, an impact on the, on Kansas state football is the hire of a new coach down the road at KU with uh Lance Leipold. KU hired him from Buffalo and, um, You know, whenever Kansas State hires a new coach, KU takes notice and vice versa. So um, what's the what was the reaction at Kansas State for for the for this KU hire? And what was you know what? I asked you what the K-State reaction is. I mean, how the heck would you know? But um, (laughs) but what was your reaction as someone who covers Kansas State?
1: (laughs) Uh, I mean, I think it's interesting. Um, I think finally Kansas has done probably what they should have done from the get-go after they parted ways with Mark Mangino. Um, I mean, the the last four coaches they've had have uh, all just been train wrecks of different varieties, right? Um, Yeah. You know, Turner Gill. um, Not ready. Yeah, not ready. Um, Who came next in there? Was it Charlie Charlie Weiss? Weiss. Charlie Weiss was just – Terrible idea. Uh, David Beatty, the same deal, not ready. Receivers coach, wasn't even a coordinator yet, got him cheap. And then Les Miles was basically a repeat of Charlie Weiss. So uh, this time they decided, let's not get a coach who's not ready. Let's not get a coach who's a a retread and hasn't uh, been successful in a while. Let's go out and get a, a coach who's won previously maybe doesn't have flash, maybe maybe he's not going to come in and win the press conference, but he's at least proven he can win football games at other places. So I, I think if if anything, he should at least raise the floor there. You know, um, I don't know how much anyone – you could put Newt Rotney back in there. I don't know how much he could raise the ceiling at Kansas in five years. Maybe this is a guy who can finally um, raise the floor a little bit, bring him up to where instead of hoping for like two or three wins, maybe you're thinking four or five. And the occasional bowl game. Um, I, I don't know that he really, you know, strikes fear into anybody in Manhattan right now. But at the same time, I will say that the approach he laid out in his press conference about trying to recruit much more locally and competing with Kansas State for some of the guys who, basically, for the last twelve years, they've just been bringing in unopposed. Um, that that to me could really make things more interesting than anything else. If uh, I, I don't think Kansas is going to be able to come in and. and compete with Kansas State for the top tier guys in the state just yet until they prove that they're they can win a few games and sell their program a little bit more but you know what those second and third tier guys who in the past have uh, their best option has been Kansas State or maybe even Kansas State is only as a walk-on if KU now has given them a little bit more love and um, gives them something to think about then maybe that drains a little bit of talent that's been coming here in previous years and if there's one way that Um, I think KU can close close the gap on this rivalry more than it has been lately. That's one way to do it, and we'll see it. We'll see if he actually follows through. I mean, every coach comes in and says we're going to recruit locally. Not all of them follow through with it. I believe Les Miles said he was going to try to recruit locally and gave up on that really fast. So, yeah, we'll see. But if he follows through on it, I think it could be interesting and make, uh, especially make the recruiting seem more competitive
0: than it has been. Yeah, you're right. There, you know, Kansas State's made a living off of players who they've been invited walk-ons who eventually get a scholarship and some of them end up in the NFL. I mean, that's, that's how they developed, uh, how well they developed. And, uh, you know, B- a B.J. Finney is a good example of, of someone mm-hmm. like that. You, go, you can go back to Jordy Nelson, you know, you know, a long time ago, but that's, you know, Bill Snyder did it. And, uh, you know, Chris Kleiman is doing it. You know, one thing that, that I, I think it's kind of cool about the coaches now the head coaches at Kansas State and at, at KU is they they are multiple national championship winners at, at lower levels um, you know climate obviously FCS at North Dakota State and Leipold and Division Three at Wisconsin Whitewater so they they know what winning is they know what it's like to to, to build a program with you know within your within your division to uh, you know to to be the nation's best and so they 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 have that not that that always is going to work at the end but um they have that experience i think that's significant all right Calvis, let's take a break and when we come back we'll switch uh, sports and talk a little k-state basketball okay we're back with Calvis robinette we're talking all things kansas state sports for the first time in quite a while, enjoying doing this. Um, we mentioned at the top of the show, Kellis, that the, the Can- Kansas State finished 9-20 in basketball, but, man, it was a different team in the final couple of weeks, three weeks of the season than it was early on. Um, I won't even mention the Fort Hayes State game. So um, let's uh... – <laughs> Um, they played Baylor terrific in the, in the big 12 tournament. They won a big 12 tournament game and then played Baylor really well. So um, there's enough coming back, I think to believe that Bruce Weber can expect a team that is not only better, but significantly better this season.
1: I agree. Um, It's interesting to hear you know, fans talk about uh, the future of Kansas State basketball right now because there are certainly some who just uh, can't get over the struggles they've had the last two seasons, and I certainly understand that. They've been rocky, um, but at the same time, um, if, you can, if you can find a way to look past that and just zero in on how they finish the season and what they have coming back, the future actually does look pretty bright. Um, it, it never guarantees success, certainly, but If you just, if you only look at their last six or seven games last season when they started playing really good defense and got some continuity and uh, actually stuck to a starting lineup that had the, the four guards surrounding Davion Bradford, I think they played at a level that was worthy of the NCAA tournament. They beat Oklahoma, they were right there with Baylor. They had a, a winning Big 12 record down the stretch. They beat TCU twice, and uh, by pretty good margins, that first game in the Big 12 tournament when they played them, they beat them by, was it 21, yeah. something like no that? Yeah, no contest game. Yeah, so, I mean, if you're crushing another Big 12 team that's, that's not that wasn't Iowa State last year, that's a pretty good sign um, of what you can do. Because, I mean, the league top to bottom, again, other than Iowa State, was really competitive. And Baylor went on to win the whole thing and nobody really other than – I mean, Oklahoma State did beat them in the Big chill tournament, but other than that, K-State played them harder than Gonzaga did in the national championship game. Now, I mean, obviously the circumstances are a little bit different. Baylor probably is playing at a higher level against Gonzaga than they did against Kansas State, but the same it's still the same team. I still think it's a sign of, uh, you know, what they can do moving forward. And I, I really like the, the young core talent they have coming back. I think Nigel Pack. Um, if, if he can build off what he did last season could be one of their best, he was one of their best freshmen they found had, had under Bruce Weber. I think he could be one of their best sophomores. Same thing for Davion Bradford. He really came on late last season. So if he can get even better then all of a sudden you're looking at maybe having one of the better fives in the league. And, um, then you look at the, the transfers they've added. I mean, I, I like them all. I like Marquise Noel. I think he brings some valuable shooting. I like Mark Smith. I think he could slide in and just instantly take over the DeJuan Gordon role in the, the trade they had with Missouri. And then, uh, you know, Ishmael Massoud is a little bit of a dice roll. I don't know exactly what he's going to bring, but he's a, he's a four-man who can shoot the lights out. And ha- he's got a 31-point game on his resume from last year Wake Forest. So, I'm not, I mean, I'm not going to say that's a bad addition. If you can figure out a way to um, sprinkle him into the offense and, uh, and get some get some points out of him, then that's great. Think they're going to have more versatility next season. And if they can figure out a way to, you know, blend all that stuff together. And I do think you're looking at a team that can be right there for the NCAA tournament and make people forget a little bit about the last two years. The question, I guess, the, the question is how do they blend that all together? Because they do have more versatility. You know, last year it kind of it's it's weird. The one of the things I think that helped them more than anything is they didn't have any versatility. By the end of the season, it was basically, all right, this is the only way we can play you're our six, you know, you're a six, seven guys, get out there and do it. And it it works. It blended together. And now you're, now you're going out, you know, adding in the possibility of going back with a bigger lineup, bringing in some new faces. So, you know, I, it's, it's a good, it's a good problem to have. You definitely want to have more bodies who contribute than less, but at the same time, it's, it's not going to be the exact same thing. So, It'll put Bruce Weber's coaching acumen to the test. Can you figure out a way to blend it all together and uh, have a winning combination? If so, then I think they'll go out and have a good team. But uh, if not, and then then we'll see some struggles again.
0: Well, and it's an important year for, for Bruce Weber as well, isn't it? I mean, there were some fans that wanted to see change after, after this season. I, and I understand that argument. I, I've got to think that a, a third straight disappointing year – could be, uh, you know, the the catalyst for change at, at, at Manhattan.
1: Yes, I agree. Um, And I think the beauty of, of next season is it really will paint a pretty clear picture of the way the program is going. You know, the last two years um, is, is uh, disappointing as they've been. There just been a lot of other factors. Um, Two years ago, you know, those guys just coming off a big Twelve championship hadn't, hadn't Hadn't played the, the minutes previously necessary to, to carry on that tradition. Last year, COVID, all these newcomers, um, just a lot of reasons why they weren't successful. But those are kind of out the window now. You know, they've got – have got they uh, they're going to have experience at every position. Not senior experience necessarily, but, um, I mean, think about it. Nigel Pack's going to be sophomore. He played all last year. Mike McGurl's played as much as anybody in the league. Um, Davion Bradford played all last year. And then you've got bringing in these transfers um, who've played previously. Selton Miguel played a bunch last year. So you're going you're gonna to have experience. That's going to go out the window. That's not an excuse anymore. You're going to have uh, more offense. That's really not an excuse anymore. Um, I mean, I, I think next year you can debate how good the team needs to be. Do uh, you know warrant some kind of uh, contract extension or something like that? Maybe it's the NIT. A lot of people would say it's the NCAA tournament. Um, and, and I do find it interesting that Bruce Weber and his assistants, when i have talked to them, have made it very clear. Their goal is not only to be in the NCAA tournament, but to be in, you know, soundly enough that when they get back to the Big 12 tournament next year in Kansas City, they're not, they're not trying to play their way in. They're already, you know, they want to be um, – they don't necessarily want to be on the bubble. They want to be in uh, comfortably, and I, I think that's a reasonable goal.
0: And, Kelis, I wanted to finish up by – uh, talking a little baseball, a better, maybe a better than expected season for the bat cats. Always like that nickname for, for, for a good New one. State. Yeah. Um, maybe, maybe not speaking of, you know, we're talking about basketball on the, possibly on the bubble next year. Don't want to be on the bubble. Seems like baseball right now would be on it, 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 if there is a bubble and there is, of course there is, uh, they're not on the right side of it. What's left to to be done for Kansas State baseball to make itself uh, attractive for the NCAA selection committee?
1: Uh, well, they got to win games with the time they have left. Um, they, they hurt themselves a little bit over the weekend by failing to win their C, their series at Baylor. Not only did they not win it. Um, and the games that uh, didn't involve Jordan Wicks pitching, they were blown off the face of the earth. They lost 17-2 and then 23-3 in a seven-inning game their last time out. That's not going to impress anybody. Yikes. Um, so, and it's interesting. They're going up against Kansas uh, next in a series that uh, really is going to be important for both teams. But Kansas actually is coming off a game where they were no hit by Oklahoma State. And I believe they lost 19-0 if that was the score. So, one team's coming off a 23-3 loss, the other 19-0. They're, you could say they're both going to be hungry for a win in that game. Um, but, yeah, so Kansas State right now, I'm a, I was actually a little surprised that they haven't been, you know, mentioned more as a bubble team because despite what I just said that last loss, they are 28-18. and They got seven Big 12 wins, which is normally um, good enough to be right there on the bubble. The magic number, I've kind of looked it up in the past, has been about 34, 35 wins. If you're a Power 5 team and you get to around that number, that's usually good enough to get you a bid to a regional. So that means Kansas State's looking at they need to figure out a way probably to get six more wins minimum. And they've got six left, plus the Big Show tournament if they get there. So KU coming up next, if they can win that series. TCU is one of the very best teams in the country. If they can win that series, maybe that gives them a little bit of leeway um, be the top 10 team maybe they don't need to get the 34 35 wins but if they can win the next two series and then have a good showing in the big jump tournament that would give them a chance but anything less than that and uh, they're going to be home just like pretty much every single other Kansas State team this season for the postseason
0: yeah that's uh, we'll, we'll talk about that at a, at a later date but it, unlike other sports there's no NIT for baseball if you're not in the NCAA you're, you're, your season is over all right, Kellis, it was great catching up, and, uh, and we'll do it again some other time. All right. Thanks, Blair. That'll do it for today. Thanks to our Sportsbeat KC production staff of Derek Donovan, Beth Welsh, Monty Davis, Jeff Rosen, Chris Fickett, and Savannah Smith. Big thanks to Kellis Robinette for stopping by and talking Kansas State. Links to his stories can be found in the show notes and on kansascity.com. Hey, we got another deal for you you can subscribe to Sports Pass for 99 cents a month. That's right, 99 pennies a month. Sports Pass is the online version of the Star Sports section. You get all the stories that appear in the print editions of the Star, plus many more stories that appear only on the website, and you certainly get the website stories first. After three months, it auto-renews at $5.99 a month, unless you cancel. And what a great time to subscribe. You read about what's going on with the Chiefs, the Royals, the colleges, our soccer teams, and much more. How do you get it? Go to kansascity.com slash sportspass2020. That's kansascity.com slash sportspass2020. You want more than just sports coverage? Check out the entire Kansas City Star product, sports news features, commentary, and analysis, the whole thing. You get all the stories written by my talented colleagues, plus additional national news, sports, and business coverage with the e-edition. The details for all of these deals can be found at account.kansascity.com slash subscribe. I know that's a lot of dots and dashes. If you're having trouble hunting down any of these offers, just send me an email, bkirkoff at kcstar.com, and I'll get you to the right place. So whether it's a sports pass or the full subscription, you're getting in supporting the best sports and news coverage in Kansas City and helping us produce programs like Sports BKC. Thanks for listening, and we'll be back on Thursday with another episode.